Today's scripture reading is from Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Lower Manhattan Community Church. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, really glad you decided to join us today. Let me just get this set up here. Uh, well, today is the last Sunday of 2012, and uh, it's kind of crazy to say that. I know uh, people tell me that the older you get, the faster time goes by, and uh, just hard for me to imagine that because it feels like it's going fast already. I, I was just thinking this morning um, about New Year's Eve 1999. Remember we all thought like the world was going to end of Y2K and uh, my cousin and I went into the basement and right at midnight we switched all the circuit breakers off in the house. So it went completely black. There was a moment of panic. People looked out the window and said, wait, the neighbors all have power. <laughs> So the prank didn't last long, but uh, the point is 2000, 2012 is over. It's been over a decade. The time is flying. Um, sorry, that has nothing to do with today. I just wanted to, to say that. So um, the scripture reading for today was from Joshua chapter 4. And basically what we just heard um, was the culmination of, of something much, much bigger and longer than that. Um, after the Israelites had escaped from uh, slavery in Egypt, they wandered the desert for 40 years. And after 40 years, it was finally time for them to enter the Promised Land. So what we, what we just heard in Joshua chapter 4, uh, as the nation of Israel approaches the Jordan River, God miraculously parts it. The waters stop, people can pass through freely, and after 40 years in the desert, the Israelites get to enter the Promised Land. And we hear this kind of bizarre thing, right? Joshua instructs them to go back into the water, 12 people, and each of them take up a, a stone, get, it, get a stone out of the river, 12 people, bring it back to camp, and then they're going to take these stones and, and make a pile out of them. They're going to build it up, and basically there's going to be a, a stack of stones. So why did they do this? What, what was the significance here? Basically, they were, they were creating a memorial. They wanted a, a visual reminder that every time they looked at it, they said, this is what God did. This was from the time that God parted the river and we passed through. It's to remember God's activity, what God did for us. Um, so today, um, you know, it's the last Sunday of the year. There's nothing special about the end of a calendar year. There's nothing uh, inherently spiritual about it. Uh, but it is kind of a, a logical time to pause to reflect back and to think about what did God do this past year. And in a sense, what we're doing today is, is to create a memorial. 
So we're not going to have a, a physical memorial, but um, we will have a podcast. And you know, in some ways, a podcast is even more permanent than a, a pile of stones. So what we're doing today is, is looking back, remembering what God has done in 2012, and then we're going to look forward um, for what that means for 2013 and beyond. So the, the message title for today is Looking Back and Looking Forward. Uh, We're going to reflect on what God did in our church in 2012 and look forward to what God is going to do in 2013. Um, So if you're here and and you're kind of a normal part of this church, uh, it's it's kind of a cool day for us to to think about what we've all experienced and witnessed and what God has done. Uh, And if you're here and maybe you're newer to the church, uh, it's also a good week for you to to be here because you can kind of see what we're about as a church. Uh, Here's what God has been doing in our community this is what we value. This is what we're about. And you get to get uh, a sneak peek into that. Uh, so we're going to spend some time looking back and then some time looking forward. Uh, but before we do that, let's pray. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you've been doing, God. Thank you that you're an active and a present God. Lord, we just uh, want to take a few minutes today uh, to think about all the things that you've done. Lord, we've, we've seen you show up and um, we want to create a memorial that our children will, will say, what is that? Why are we remembering this? And we can say, because this is when God intervened. This is when God acted. So give us that perspective, God. Uh, help us to look back and acknowledge your work and uh, help us to see uh, where you're leading us through that. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so first of all, let's look back. What do we want to remember from 2012? Uh, there's, really, there's really a lot of things. There's so many things we could say. I just, this isn't necessarily in chronological order and, or an order of importance, but just some things that really immediately came to my mind thinking about 2012. Um, first of all, in January, uh, we broke a long-standing tradition of uh, men's groups and women's groups and we started the first LMCC couples group. Um, that group grew to be about 10 couples, and now we have four different couples groups with about 20 different couples in it. So that was kind of neat to see. We uh, all of a sudden have a lot of couples in uh, community groups together. Uh, we also had a, we had a really successful uh, all-church retreat. There were about 100 of us who went to Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, Paul Williams came and, and spoke about uh, some of the surprising teachings of Jesus. Uh, and it really just helped us to feel like we were a united church. Um, that was only a few months after I joined the staff here. So that was a pretty important time for me to, to feel like I'm a part of this church. Uh, and then one of the highlights for me was on uh, Saturday night, we went to Trey Piani right by the, the hotel. And uh, there was a kid's table with about 30 kids there. And, and I, don't even, I don't know who it was. It might have actually been uh, Jacob Habush, who's... Uh, 12 years old, got all the kids to stop and pray for their food when the adults were getting glasses of wine and eating dinner. So it was just cool to see God God moving through uh, the kids in our church. Another thing that uh, really stuck out to me from 2012, we did two uh, big community events. Uh, The first one was our annual uh, Easter egg hunt uh, at PS89. We had about 500 people from the community come uh, for this free Easter egg hunt. And these are families with young kids uh, who live in Battery Park City, Tribeca, 
financial district. And there are people who don't go to church. They don't come to our church. They don't come to any church. These are exactly the people who uh, we exist for. That's the reason why we have this church. 500 people showed up. Uh, and then in October, for the very first time, we did uh, a pumpkin patch. And we really had no clue what to expect. We went to Washington Market Park. I showed up with a truck, truck full of pumpkins. And it was a perfect day. It was 75 degrees. We, we had posters up in the neighborhood and people handing out cards. We thought maybe 50 people would show up. About 400 people showed up. People from the community who didn't know who we were came and, and had a great time. Um, these are things that we should think about and be grateful for. Uh, in March, we, we ran the World Vision Half Marathon, which Ryan mentioned, and 10 people uh, ran together and we raised money for clean water projects in Africa. Uh, we moved to a new venue uh, that we're in now that I must say has slightly better views than uh, the auditorium at PS89. Uh, this is exciting. Ryan officially finished his law school classes. So that, that was a milestone. <laughs> of course, he still has uh, four papers, three papers. <laughs> so there's a, a, few, a little bit left, but he's in the home stretch now. Um, over the summer, we did, a, we did a preaching series through the book of James, and six different people from LMCC preached. Uh, including some people who preached for the very first time. And uh, we really got to see God work through people that we've, we've never seen that before, people with a gift for teaching. And uh, Matthew Skogan is actually going to preach again next week, so make sure you're there for that. Um, I, was, I, I had a hard time figuring this out, but I think we either had six or seven uh, new babies this year, so that was, that was exciting. And I think we have uh, four more on the way. I, I, I'm kind of losing track, but some, somewhere in that uh, vicinity. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we had four adult baptisms, uh, people who for the very first time publicly wanted to declare that they uh, commit their lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, so that was uh, really exciting. Uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy, uh, we had people from the church come down and uh, serve hot coffee to people who had no power and no water in their apartments. Uh, and I think over the course of two days, we served about 500 cups of coffee. And it's funny, it seems like such a small thing, but when you have no water and no electricity, um, a cup of hot coffee is a, a pretty good thing. Uh, we also had people who went to uh, Red Hook and did uh, demolition and cleanup. Uh, we even had people who rented cars and drove all the way out to Staten Island with supplies. Um, and if I remember correctly, the car ran out of gas because uh, no gas stations were open. Uh, we also served at the Father's Heart for the first time. Uh, we had 15 people from our church and go and serve a hot breakfast to about 600 people uh, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, we had about 10 people, about 10 women who went and served with Restore NYC, uh, working with victims of sex trafficking uh, who are in the process of rebuilding their lives. Um, we did a, an exciting election sermon uh, two weeks before uh, Election Tuesday and had uh, about 15 or 20 new people show up for that. Uh, we had a men's retreat. We had a women's retreat. Uh, we had a summer intern who came back just for this Sunday. Oh, <laughs> Nick is the only intern we've had who's been arrested so far. So it's, he's, a, he's a very special guy in our church. 
And then uh, the last thing that um, I'm going to talk mo- in more detail about in just a moment is uh, this past year we had we have three new ministry teams, um, and we had an incredibly successful Thanksgiving offering. Um, so let's just wait on that. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, but all these things, that just in one year, uh, thinking back, um, I can't help just to feel gratitude. And uh, for me, I've, like I said, I've, I got hired at the very, very end of 2011. So this is basically my first year at the church. And uh, this verse kept coming to my mind. If, if you want to look on the back of your bulletin, um, this is from the introductory remarks the, of, of a letter Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And he says the same thing to, to letters to a few different churches. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And, and that's just, that's how I feel. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for what God has been doing through it. And when I look back at the past 12 months, gratitude is, is the only way I can feel. Uh, I thank God for what God is doing through this church. Uh, 2012 was a good year, uh, but I'm also excited for what the future holds. I'm excited for uh, what God is going to do in 2013 and beyond. And I want to spend a little bit more time talking about uh, those new ministry teams and the Thanksgiving offering and and what that means for the future of our church. Um, It happened this year, but it wasn't over and done with. It's something that's going to propel us into the future. Um, so first of all, we have three new ministry teams that a year ago, they, they didn't exist. And to me, like, the church, was, the church was fine, but looking back now, it's like, how did we not have these things? These are things that are so essential to being a church that it's really, it's really amazing that we didn't have them, and now in one year, we have all three of them. Um, so those three teams are uh, the community service team, the prayer team, and the evangelism team. Uh, so first of all, the community service team. Um, historically, at least recently, uh, evangelicals have kind of been uh, shy about community service. Uh, we've kind of uh, took a step back and said, well, well, that's something that liberal mainline churches do. That's not something that evangelical churches do. Uh, but I think it's hard if you, if you read the New Testament, if you read uh, the teachings of Jesus, it's hard to really be a Christian and not serve. Uh, what it means for us to be Christians is that we love and serve our neighbors. A service is not optional. It's essential to who we are as a church and who we are as followers of Jesus. Um, a few weeks ago, well, a few months ago, uh, we talked about the passage in Matthew 25, um, which is all the nations being gathered in, in front of God Uh, presumably at the last days. And um, God says to them, uh, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Whatever you did for the sick, the poor, the hungry, the the prisoners, the foreigners, whatever you did for those people, you did for me. So when we serve our community, it's as if we're serving God directly. And then what's a little more scary than that is he says, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. So when we decide not to do something for people in need, it's as if we're, we're not doing it for God. Uh, a verse that came to mind was uh, 1 John 3.17. It says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And that's 
pretty clear, right? I mean, if we see someone in need, there should be some kind of response. If the love of God is really in us, we should respond to the needs of our community. And what's more is when we, when we start to really serve our community, uh, when we start to effectively meet those needs, people notice. Uh, people notice that we're a church that serves. Uh, when we become hands in the feet of Christ, it gives us more credibility in the neighborhood. So now we have a team um, of people that uh, are committed to developing relationships with community organizations, nonprofits, ministries uh, in lower Manhattan and all over Manhattan um, that are meeting some of those important needs. A year ago, we didn't have that. The second team I want to talk about is uh, the prayer team. Um, last year, we, we really didn't have any prayer team, uh, and now we do. And honestly, I'm, I'm not sure that much, much of anything of real value happens apart from prayer. Um, we can hold church services here. We can do things. But if we're not a praying church, I'm not sure uh, that much is going to happen. And uh, I, I have some anecdotal evidence uh, for that that I want to I share with you today. Uh, first of all, uh, I always remember the story of uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, I think many of us know about Brooklyn Tab uh, right, right across the bridge in downtown Brooklyn. Uh, when Jim Cimbala took the church over, uh, it was a church of about two dozen people. Uh, the offering was $85. Uh, he had no theological training. He had never led a church. And the church was on the, on the brink of uh, extinction. Uh, he didn't know what he was doing. The church was doing horribly. Uh, he felt like he wanted to quit. And then uh, him and his wife go on vacation, and he, he hears a message from God saying that if you become a church that prays, I promise you that all your needs are going to be met. If you become a church that prays. And he comes back to his church and he says to them, from this day forward, the spiritual barometer of our church is prayer. Uh, We're going to measure success and failure of this church based on prayer. Not attendance, not an offering, not on things that uh, can easily be quantified, but on prayer. And if you go on Tuesday night to Brooklyn Tabernacle now, their prayer meeting is about 2,000 people. 2,000 people who just show up uh, to pray every week. And uh, Jim Symbol was asked, what was the secret? What's the secret to their, their success? Uh, and this is what he says. He said, God had formed a core group of people who wanted to pray, who believed that nothing was too big for God to handle. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's, there's power in our prayers. Things actually happen when we pray. And I'm not sure if, we're, if we've quite arrived yet, um, but we have a team, we have people who really want to pray, and we're starting to see that prayer works. I was reading, uh, I was reading a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he was, uh, started a revival in London back at the end of the, the 19th century. It was a New Year's Day uh, sermon, which is kind of why I was reading it. Um, but there's a really uh, cool thing in there that I wanted to share about prayer. Um, he was talking with a guy from his church who, whose brother had just uh, accepted Christ. And uh, his brother was really like a lost cause. And Charles Spurgeon said to him, you must really be surprised that uh, your brother has become a Christian. And he says, well, no, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really not surprised at all. So Charles Spurgeon says, well, 
Well, why, why not? Why aren't you surprised? And this guy says, because I asked the Lord to convert him, and I kept on praying that he might be converted, and I should have been very much surprised if he had not been. So he, he prayed. He was going to keep praying until God did something in his brother's life, and that's exactly what happened. And I think that's what we're starting to see in our church. People are seeing that prayer works, and we're starting to do it. Prayer is one thing that's going to propel our church into the future. Uh, the, other, the third and, and final uh, new team that I want to talk about is the evangelism team. Um, probably above all else, this, this is really the reason why we have a church. Uh, we believe that we have something worth sharing, uh, something that really needs to be shared. And uh, the, the word evangelism is derived from the same uh, word as gospel, uh, good news. So evangelism is telling the good news. So we believe that we, we have good news to tell people. That good, that good news is that God loves us so much that he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. God was willing to do anything to show his love to us and to bring us back to him. We believe that our lives have more meaning, have more purpose. They're better because of Jesus Christ. So evangelism just means that we, wanna, we want that good no, news to be known. We want people to know that there's good news through Jesus Christ. Uh, Jeremiah 29 says, uh, But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. He couldn't even contain the good news inside him anymore. He had to let it out. And I think that's how it should be for us. We should uh, feel like the news is so good that we just want to talk about it. Uh, it's kind of like when you tell a kid a secret, and it's such good news that he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he can't keep it a secret long. He wants to tell everyone uh, that he sees. And really, evangelism uh, can be as simple as just inviting your friend to church. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be uh, uh, walking someone through the whole process of salvation. It can be as simple as inviting someone uh, to church. I was, I was reading some uh, statistics on why people come to church, and, uh, and this is what they, they said. Uh, 2% of people come uh, to church because of an advertisement. 2%. 6% come from a pastoral invitation. So Ryan and I combined, we can muster up 6%. Another 6% come from an organized evangelism campaign. 86% come from the invitation of a friend or relative. 86%. So the overwhelming majority of people come to church for the first time because they were invited. Because someone who they know and they care about invited them to come to church. That can be the first step of evangelism. And just because we have a team now, uh, that doesn't mean that all of us are off the hook and that there's going to be a small group that does evangelism. Uh, the evangelism team is going to set the tone for the whole church. Uh, we want this to become a normal part of who we are uh, because that's, that's why this church exists. And just a, just a brief caveat, uh, I mentioned those three teams in particular because those, those are new. A year ago, these teams didn't exist, and now they do. Uh, every team is, is vital. The greeting team, the setup team, the worship team. Uh, this church won't exist with any, without any of those. Um, but those three teams in particular just didn't exist a year ago, and today they do. 
And then the final thing from 2012 that I want us to remember, uh, to, to kind of form a memorial of, is our Thanksgiving offering. Um, this year, our Thanksgiving offering was $240,000, which literally was double what our goal was. Double. And honestly, I have, I have no explanation for that. Like, I'll confess to you, I was worried about 120000 which that's, that's what we wanted to. I was worried about it. $240,000 is, is a number that we can't rationally explain, right? There's, there's no logical explanation of how we did that, other than to say that God showed up, that God was doing something in our church. I mean, how, how else can we explain that? $240,000. So this it means a number of things for, for the future of our church. Uh, first of all, uh, it means that we can hire a full-time business pastor. So, um, you know, obviously Nicole is doing a great job. We, we love Nicole, uh, but she's only been working uh, 20 to 30 hours a week. Uh, we offered her a full, the full-time job, and it didn't, it didn't feel right for her. So we're going to hire a full-time children's minister, uh, and that means um, midweek groups for some of the older kids. Uh, it means developing further relationships with parents downtown, uh, it means week-long vacation Bible school over the summer. Um, all these things that we can do now because we'll have a, a full-time children's pastor. Uh, the Thanksgiving offering also means that Ryan and Brittany and the girls can now live downtown. Um, I think most of you know that for the past three years they've been living in Brooklyn. Um, well, now instead of uh, building relationships with parents in Park Slope, uh, Ryan and Brittany can be at the playgrounds here downtown. They can be at the preschools and the schools downtown. They're going to be interacting with the parents who live downtown, uh, where our church is located. So Ryan and Brittany and the girls will actually get to be present in Lower Manhattan. Uh, this Thanksgiving offering also means that we can continue to support organizations doing important work in New York City uh, and beyond. Um, the Thanksgiving offering also means that we're going to make improvements to our website, we're going to get some new signage uh, and really uh, try to tell a better story about uh, what Christ means to us, um, to the community of Lower Manhattan. And beyond that, we're, we're, we're not really sure. Uh, we really want uh, you guys to, to pray for us as the leaders of the church um, to, to figure out what we're, what we're going to do with all this money. Uh, because $240,000... Uh, we, weren't, we weren't prepared for that. So we're, we're figuring out what that's going to mean and want to uh, steward that money faithfully. So when you take all these things into consideration, uh, the things, all the things we said from 2012, these new ministry teams, this overwhelmingly successful Thanksgiving offering, uh, in some ways it feels like we're potentially at a, a turning point in our church. It feels like this is a, a special moment uh, in the history of LMCC, uh, where God can really do something uh, through us. Uh, so a- as we start to, to wrap up, I want to look at the last three scripture verses on the back of your program here um, as we think about what this means. Uh, so for the first verse from uh, Philippians 2, verses 19 through 22, uh, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Uh, So I I was just in in Buffalo visiting my family for Christmas, and I I had lunch with a friend from high school, and he told me that that he's, he's in the process of building a new house. And what's uh, a little different about this house is that it's 50 feet behind his existing house, uh, right on the same plot of land. And the reason is because the foundation is crumbling. The foundation is so bad that eventually the house is just going to crumble. And that's kind of why I bring up uh, this passage of Scripture. Because when I think about everything that's happened in 2012 and where we're headed as a church, I can't help but think that 2012 was a year of building the foundation. That between everything that's happened, between these new ministries that are in place, between this money that you guys gave, this act of faithfulness that you demonstrated, God is laying the foundation for the next thing. Um, You can't build a house until the foundation's in place. The foundation gives the building stability. The foundation holds the weight of the structure. And if the foundation is strong, then the whole building's strong. Uh, If the foundation's faulty, then the whole building will collapse. And God is a wise builder, right? God is not going to build up a house on a foundation that's cracked. Uh, So I I don't know. I mean, I I really am not sure. But I just get the sense that 2012 was a year of laying the foundation. Um, The foundation is set for God to build something special on what's in place. Uh, The second verse there from Isaiah 43, it says, uh, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God is doing a new thing. A new thing. That's, that's who God is. That's what God does. He does new things. And 2012 was a great year. Uh, there's a lot we can be thankful for from that year. But I think God is ready to do the next thing. God is ready to do a new thing at our church. God has plans for LMCC. Um, he's doing a new thing in our church, and he wants to do a new thing in all of our lives. Uh, But it's important that we're not complacent. We don't want to just be content that these good things have been happening. We want to anticipate that new things are still to come. Um, We want to be open to the new things that God might do in each of us. Um, And then the last verse there, Joshua 3, 5. This is from the same passage of Scripture that uh, Sally read to begin today. This was right before the Israelites passed through the Jordan. Uh, Joshua told the people... Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The Lord will do amazing things among you. And consecrate yourself, it means set yourself apart. Devote yourself to God. Make yourself available for God to use you. This is what God is asking for us, to consecrate ourselves to him. To make ourselves available to be used by him. I would really love to see God do amazing things in our church. I would love to see something remarkable happen in 2013. Um, I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right that the foundation is laid. I hope I'm right that this is a a milestone in our church, a turning point. Um, But the question I want all of us to ask uh, as we approach this new year is, what what is my role? What part am I going to play in the next chapter of this church? Um, Looking around, I know many of us are the reason why these things happen. God works through us. And I can say 
with complete confidence that God wants to work through every single one of us uh, for whatever is next for our church. So we invite you to participate. We invite you to allow God to do a new thing in your heart, in your life, and through you, a new thing in this church. Uh, I'm excited for 2013. Let's pray. God, we really don't know exactly what you have in store for our church. Uh, We don't know uh, what the next weeks and months and years will look like. Uh, But God, we're we're convinced that you have been moving, God. We, We see it. We look back. We see that you've done something, God. Uh, so today we, we build a memorial to that, God. We want to look back and remember that 2012 was a year when you intervened, God, when you acted. And Lord, we, we consecrate ourselves to you. Uh, we open ourselves to wherever uh, you might lead us, whatever you might ask us to do. I pray that you would give a distinct message to each of us, God. What part do I have to play in this? What will my role be? We thank you that the foundation has been laid, God. We thank you that you've put the right people in positions, that you've brought the right people to this church. God, we're ready for whatever you want to do through us. God, we enter 2013 with anticipation. And we really ask that you would uh, do something miraculous. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.